Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Hi there everyone. There's a song that's been around since 1920, over a hundred years, that generations of Christians have learnt in their childhood. If I was a gambling man, which I'm not, I'd place a pretty hefty bet that pretty much all of you will know the song when I mention it. The song picks up a rather odd statement of Jesus when he tells us of our witness to his shining light. He says this, we read it in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bushel. You know the song already. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There are so many versions of this particular song around, so I want you to check out one of my favorites, just to get you in the mood for this song. You know, it's called This Little Light of Mine, and here's a great version of it. If you are sitting at home, perhaps, you might want to get up and dance around a little bit. Let's join it for a couple of minutes. This little light of Yeah! 
I told you you'd love it, right? I love it. I love gospel music. You know, the second and third verses that weren't sung as part of that video version are the ones that we learn as kids in Sunday school. I guess many of you can probably sing it in your hearts. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. You, you know it. And then the third verse that, again, many of you will know, don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. You know, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I could sing to you. I really want to be a gospel singer. It's, anyway. Well, we love it when kids sing about shining the light of Jesus. I mean, they're so cute. We get them up in front in church and we take videos and photos of them. We love them singing that song in particular. But do we carry that same attitude into our adulthood? Are we as bold or as willing to let our light shine when sometimes that means we might get mocked or labeled? or boxed as being slightly odd, or as it is in some parts of the world, even persecuted. Letting the lights of Jesus shine and encouraging others to let their lights shine was perhaps one of the foundation stones of Paul in the letter that we're working through this year written to the Christian church in the city of Rome. Romans, the greatest letter ever written. That's the series we're going through. A couple of weeks ago, I introduced this series by looking at five things that we see about Paul, the author of the letter, in just the first verse, where we learn about Paul the man, Paul the master, Paul's mandate, Paul's mission, and Paul's message. You know, we could go through the letter to Romans verse by verse each week, and it would be a powerful exercise, but there are 433 verses in Romans, so that's close to nine years. So we won't do that. Although we could, but we're not going to. Today, I want us to look at the end of Paul's introduction, where he expands on his opening. And in verses 8 to 15, expresses his excitement about the possibility of visiting the church in Rome that he has heard so much about. Remember, he's writing this letter from Corinth, and what he writes is quite emotional stuff. You can hear the emotion in his voice, perhaps. It goes like this. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit and preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. You can see Paul's excitement about the idea of this trip. And then he jumps into a sentence in verses 16 and 17 that is very well known by many of us. 
In fact, these words are some of the more known and memorized verses in the letter to the Romans, because they really are a very apt summary of perhaps what the whole letter is about. Perhaps with the song, This Little Light of Mine in Mind, if Paul knew that, Paul writes this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, and he quotes a passage from the Old Testament prophetic book of Habakkuk, the righteous will live by faith. These words could be described as perhaps Paul's anthem, with everything else that follows throughout this letter being, in some ways, the outworking of these few significant words. With all of his introductory comments in mind, stating who he is as a servant of Christ, who he's called to be, what he's set apart for, as he thinks about the possibility of a visit to a church he has heard so much about, Anticipating the opportunity to preach the gospel in one of the greatest cities of the world at the time, he is going to let his light shine. And he wants to make it clear to all those that he's going to speak to that, that he is not ashamed of the gospel. Remember, the gospel is the good news of Jesus because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith and by faith alone. The concept of a, a righteousness from God and a righteousness that is by faith alone is one of the most powerful doctrines in all of Scripture. Unfortunately, though, when many people hear the word doctrine that I've just said, they can think of smelly old books, dusty theologians debating incomprehensible issues, or pastors just talking about stuff that are hard to understand. But doctrine is so simple. Doctrine is simply the truth that God has revealed to us in His Word. And a righteousness from God, by faith, is one of the biggest truths to get our head around. Because it is one of the most life-giving truths that we can ever experience. It's the foundation of following Jesus and experiencing the joy that that gives to us. As theologian James Boyce once wrote, Romans 1, 16-17 are the most important verses in the letter and perhaps in all literature. They are the theme of this epistle and the essence of Christianity. As I mentioned in my introduction to this series, it was understanding verse 17 that transformed the life of Martin Luther and led to the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago. So let's look particularly at verse 17 and lay a foundation that will drive our understanding of so many parts of the book of Romans. Again, it says, And the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. Take a few words out to make it kind of simple. It's really just a few words, 
but these few words have such a powerful implication to them. I think it's possibly the word righteousness that a lot of us don't always grasp. Or perhaps we grasp it the wrong way and it can sometimes have difficult connotations for us. In the negative sense, we sometimes accuse others of being self-righteous or holier than thou. At other times, it might seem to us that some people set themselves apart as being better than the ordinary person. Again, the term self-righteous is used. But to turn this into the biblical sense of righteousness means that God has enabled us to become righteous in our relationship with Him. Effectively, to be in a right relationship with Him, an amazing relationship with Him. We can enjoy the fullness of knowing who we are, free from being trapped in our insecurities and and our selfishness because God has revealed how to overcome those hindrances in Christ. And our relationship with Him is made right, righteous. The barrier that had existed between God and us is removed because of what Christ did on the cross. And there is nothing that we need to do to enable this right relationship other than put our faith in Him, by faith alone. You know, there are so many people who struggle to think of themselves as being worthy enough to be in a relationship with God or worthy enough full stop. So a lot of people spend their time trying to earn God's favor, doing good things, coming to church perhaps. But none of us are ever worthy enough, not even the best behaved of us. Paul's big point in this passage is that the gospel is precisely good news because it announces that God accepts us anyway, despite our imperfections. All that we have to do is to receive his offer in Christ in faith. Now, to be sure, faith by its very nature is always accompanied by obedience. So it's not just a a one-time decision. It's an ongoing decision every day to put our faith into action. But don't let it go unnoticed that the righteousness revealed from God is good news for everyone. And accepting in faith this truth is what salvation looks like. To receive by faith the righteousness of God that is revealed in Christ means knowing and experiencing the divine truth that we are loved, accepted, embraced, and forgiven from our self-righteousness by the God of all creation, who has revealed how this is made possible through Jesus Christ. So you can see why the gospel is good news, right? This is perhaps the best news that anyone could ever experience. That we are loved, created, accepted. We, we have a plan and a purpose. All of that good stuff that we talk about. This is good news. So why are we sometimes unprepared to let His light shine through us? Why do we sometimes feel the need to put our faith under a bushel? Why do we sometimes let the enemy blow out the vitality of the righteous Salvation that is ours to claim. Paul wants to make it very clear to the church in Rome that this is not going to be his story. Nope, no way. He is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to transform lives and to change the world. Do you want to sing this little light of mine with energy as we we watched earlier? (laughs) Last Monday... 
at our staff meeting here at Windsor Park at our Maurangi Bay site, I spoke to the team about prayers of lament. It's been three years this week since the first case of COVID-19 was found in New Zealand. We all thought at the time that it would just blow over and no one really worried about it. But just three weeks later, our world was turned upside down when we were placed into lockdown. Remember that day? It was like, what is this about? It's nuts. So many things have changed over the last three years. And just when I thought we were about to start a new year of kind of life looking normal again, we faced floods here and cyclones and there's economic conditions that are going to be challenging this year. Personally, I found it to be an incredibly challenging three years and I've been lamenting a little bit later, kind of what's next? You know, the Bible, though, is full of people who wrote prayers of lament as they experienced all kinds of stink things in their lives. So I felt like I was in pretty good company as I was lamenting my own story. But the thing about so many of the writings and poems of lament that we see in the Bible that have encouraged me during the season is that they generally always turn to praise at the end. They always turn to God. Psalm 22 is a typical prayer of lament. It starts like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus repeated those words later on. Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. You can appreciate those words. I can sometimes. But Psalm 22 then goes on. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. And you, they trusted and were not put to shame. And Psalm 22 goes on in that pattern. Lament, praise, lament, praise, lament, praise. Lament always turns to praise when we know in our hearts that in the gospel, The righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. After I had talked about lament and my own prayers of lament, we went into our broken auditorium at our Mairangi Bay campus and wrote our personal prayers on the concrete floor that will soon be covered by a new carpet. Prayers for ourselves, prayers for you. Prayers for our world, our hopes that the power of God that brings salvation might continue to be embraced in our lives as the people of God who are involved in the mission of God in the small part of the world that we live in. Folks, when Paul states that he is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation, I hope that we might know the truth of those words, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. And that the effect of those words will flow into the way that we live. In a world that needs salvation, needs the righteousness of God revealed through Christ to to come in power. Perhaps we need that more than ever with some of the things that have been going on in recent times. I remember when I was a teenager in 1988. And I participated in what was called the the March for Jesus in Palmerston North. We strapped a big speaker onto the back of a ute and we marched around the square in Palmy, singing Graham Kendrick's greatest hit of that time, Shine, Jesus, Shine. (laughs) 
I'm not saying that that is what we should be doing in 2022, but we should be asking ourselves to think about what not being ashamed of the gospel looks like in our lives. Our methods might change over time, but the message remains as powerfully relevant today as it did 2,000 years ago in a city that needed Jesus as much as we do today. As Jesus himself said in Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. May our response be these words. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.